You're so low. I'm sitting on the floor today. <laughs> Why? Uh, today is a sit on the floor kind of day. Okay. Every time we record now, it feels like we haven't talked in, like, weeks. Well, this time it actually has been a week, despite the fact that we text every day. No, but it it just feels like longer for some reason. I don't know why. Because we are officially in the longest and quickest part of the year. We are in holiday season. I can't believe next week is already Thanksgiving. And when this comes out, it's going to be after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, you know what they really should invent? Hmm. They should really invent, like, a Snuggie that's heated blanket. Like... Yes. I feel like that would be much more useful than just, like, a plain old Snuggie. Did you know there are, um, heated socks that are Bluetooth? That sounds fun. It sounds like a fire hazard. (laughs) It does, but it also sounds fun. I don't think you're supposed to walk on the heated socks. What would you be doing if sitting. they're on your feet? You're so you can to be only sitting. you can't walk across your room. No, that makes zero sense. I mean, my grandma was gifted some vibrating boots. <laughs> yes, no, she was gifted some vibrating boots for her um, feet because she has some really bad feet problems, and it's supposed to like massage them and get the blood flowing in her feet. You're not supposed to walk in them. <laughs> it actually says that. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Okay, thank you all for joining again this week. I'm Rachel, and that is Grace. I'm Grace, and that is Rachel. Welcome to our... What? You guys gotta help us out here. What should we name this? Should we name it the special end of the month episode? Or should this be the whatever we want episode? W-E-W-W... If it's a special end of month episode, then it's the um, S E E O. No. It's S E O M E. Siomi. It's the Siomi. What about the Podcaster's Choice episode? No, that's dumb. The PC episode? Politically correct episode. No. Um, <laughs> Hopefully all of our episodes are PC. Yes. Okay, this is just our month end special. We're gonna do that. <laughs> mess. It's our mess. Ooh, that actually does work. It's our mess. <laughs> oh, ooh, um, month end special something. Mess. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, I feel like that fits us pretty well. <laughs> Our mess episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this week for my mess, my story. It works. It works. It works. (laughs) My story actually um, started out as a, you know, 
delving into shadow people. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of started this, and it's it's very short and very brief, but I've I sort of delved into this fascinating descent into the hat man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very short and it's very brief, um, at least once we get to the hat man part. But I do have a couple of stories that I found on Reddit that I hope you guys will enjoy. So other than Reddit, my sources are SinisterCoffeeAndCreamery.com. Nice. Love it. Which is a coffee and creamery place that, Mm. this is really interesting they did that. Um, Medium.com, CrystalLinks.com, LiveAbout.com, OccultWorld.com, Wikipedia.com, Ranker.com, and... A YouTube video by the infographic show titled Shadow People, the Terrifying Mystery Explained. 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 So, shadow figures are actually not that unheard of. Like, most people do inevitably at one point or another experience one. They'll see something moving out of the corner of their eye. But, you know, when they turn to look at it straight on, it's not there anymore. Sometimes you'll wake up from a deep sleep, and in, you know, your groggy state, you'll see someone sitting in a chair across from you, but it's a pile of clothes. (laughs) Um, That literally happened to me one time, but it was very weird because it was, it was at the old house, and Mm -hmm. we, I walked past the living room, and I swear to God, I saw a man that looked like my grandfather sitting in a chair, and I went back, it was literally just a pile of clothes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's what happened. Everyone at some point or another sees something, and this is what shadow people kind of are. You know, it's just the fleeting glimpse of something that has gone in as soon as you look at it again, basically. Yeah. So, shadow figures are kind of without explanations. It, they're a shadow. However, there are many different types of shadow figures. There are the shadowy masses that really have no discernible shape. You know, you look up, you see that shadow on the corner of your room. Mm -hmm. Terrifying as shit. Then there's the misty type of shadow that, you know, float across the screen, but you can still see through it. Then there are, more often than not, shadow people who tend to take a very humanoid shape. With no features, though. Mm -hmm. Except for the occasional glowing eyes, but... No big deal there. That's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's cool. fine. Uh, occultworld.com mentions that there are five main types of shadow people that are seen. There are the bedroom watchers, which is a very fitting name, <clears throat> albeit a creepy one, but a very fitting one. These are the figures who can be seen in the corners of the bedroom or by the bedside when a person wakes at night. They have no visible features. They will remain in their position for long periods of time until they are looked at directly. At which point they suddenly disappear or just melt into the walls or ceiling. Oh, Most God, are that's not terrifying. It's super terrifying. Most are not threatening, although their presence is often very terrifying. Some will be aggressive and cause a choking sensation similar to that of the old hag. Oh. Which is, for those of you who don't know, the old hag is a very common entity you see during sleep paralysis. There are also figures that the occult world called shadows on walls. They are figures who literally just appear on the wall and then detach themselves from that wall in order to walk about the room and just do their stuff. 
No, that's like Peter Pan shit. It is Peter Pan shit. (laughs) There are moving shadows who abruptly appear and move quickly through the rooms. They walk through and melt into walls, seemingly paying no attention to anyone else in the room that's with them. Uh, They can be seen in your peripheral vision and in full view, so like not just out of the corner Mm. of your eye. There are also background visitors who are often not seen at the time, but if you take a picture, you might happen to see something standing behind you, in the window, in the doorway. We're not here for that. Mm -mm. Then... There are what the occult world calls haunting presences. These are the entities that appear in haunted places. They move around with intelligence and seeming sentience. They may follow people and in some cases are considered bad luck. Oh, okay. So think of Waverly Hills and their, what do they call it, the thing or something? I don't know. Oh, shoot. I can't even find it. Whatever that, basically what... Waverly has the shadow entity that is considered very bad luck if you see them, like mm. the creeper or something, and it's just this terrifying entity that, like, will chase after you or something. Oh. So, in that case, it's bad luck, it comes with a haunted location, so that would be considered a haunting presence. Okay. In general, these figures can be seen flitting from one corner of the room to another. Okay. So, that like, makes sense. Yeah. sometimes through walls and doors and other objects if they... As if they just don't exist. In fact, many witnesses to shadow people describe these entities as dancing from wall to wall or moving between them as if on a specific track. So, So, kind of like a residual... Yeah, I was going to say that kind of reminds me of residual hauntings. Yeah. However, the hat man Mm. is supposedly very different. The hat man is a completely dark figure, like solid dark... Like, has a... You can touch it. Roughly six to seven feet tall. So, his signature hat. <laughs> either a top hat or a fedora. One person actually said a cowboy hat. I mm-hmm. did forget to add that. One person said a cowboy hat. So, I think there's, like, a wide array of hats he can wear. He's um, got to switch it up, you know. Keep he's it got to switch it up, yeah. And he is often seen wearing... A cloak, a cape, or a trench coat. And in a few other stories, he's also seen carrying a briefcase. Yes. Yes. Which I think is very interesting. It is. He's a businessman. Like other shadow people, his face is indistinguishable. Like nothing. Mm. Except for two glowing red eyes. There are even some reports that the man carries a gold watch that is attached by a chain to his belt. He's very dapper. Dragon is very interesting. Yes. And so he can keep time how long you've been watching him. He's a businessman. He needs to stay on time. He's got... Exactly. Souls to steal and shit. I don't know. There are actual theories that the hat man could be an interdimensional being who literally just comes to our dimension to cause havoc and trouble mm. and make people super anxious. Because, you know, like they do. So, when the hat man is seen, it is typically while someone is in a phase of sleep, like falling asleep or just waking up. And he, along with other shadow people, can often be associated with sleep paralysis, like I mentioned with the old hag. However, he is also seen while an individual is wide awake, which I don't like. Yes. There are also apparently multiple ways that you can be seen by him, like, if he's watching you. 
he can be staring at you through the mirror, sitting and staring from your bed, Hmm. hovering above you while you sleep. No. Or watching from the corner. And this is just the stuff, like, within your bedroom. This is not including, like, if you go outside and see him while you're walking or taking the garbage out. I was listening to one podcast. It was, like, a month or two ago, and they were talking about the hat man, and somebody had sent in a story talking about how... um, they, they or their wife had been seeing it for a very long time, mm-hmm. and they once saw him standing on the stairs at this one house. Mm-hmm. No. No. No, he was, like, visiting the house, and every time he would go near those stairs, he would see him, like, every morning mm-hmm. at the same time. That's yeah, terrifying. Yeah, no. It's, that is terrifying. That's, so, apparently, if you see him, you can just feel that he is 100% evil and wants to do harm to you in some way. And, in fact, he will sometimes attack people. Cool. According to many stories and sources, the hat man can control other shadow people in order to terrorize you. I found some very interesting stories about this. Um, One story I read on Reddit, which I did not get the person's name. He mentioned something about he woke up during a bout of sleep paralysis. He was surrounded by a bunch of shadow people, and then there was this weird little girl sitting on the edge of his bed and whispering to him. And then she would turn, look in the corner of the room, and there stood the hat man. No. And then she turned back to him and continued whispering. Nope. Yes. I cannot remember the Reddit user's name. I'm so glad I've only ever had sleep paralysis once. I make sure I never lay on my back because that's the mm-hmm. only time that I've ever had it is when I was laying on my back. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. And speaking of sleep paralysis, if you are experiencing sleep paralysis, he can even direct the old hag to sit on your chest. No. Ugh. So no. The hat man can appear to anyone at any time, but there is apparently a pattern where he shows himself to people who are in turmoil or distressed Or basically just around anyone who seems to have negative emotions surrounding them. Mm. So similar to that of a poltergeist, and because his appearance tends to heighten those emotions and bring fear, many claim that the hat man will feed off of it. Which seems kind of demonic in a sense. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. When the hat man decides that he's done with you, this is one key difference between the hat man and regular shadow people. He is polite. And uses the door instead of just walking through a wall or dissipating. How polite. How polite. Um, (laughs) You know, I really enjoy when um, there's some some form of, like, psychological torture going on and they just, like, go through the door and they don't just, like, hop out the window or go through the wall. (laughs) Or go under your bed. I just really appreciate that. I just really appreciate it, you know? Yes, I would agree. So, if anyone wants to read any experiences on the Hat Man, I did not want to include all of them because there are just so many. I highly recommend the subreddit for him. There are very, very, like, so many intriguing stories. Mm-hmm. All of are different, but have very similar elements to them. One Reddit user whose name is Choice Database posted, like, 20 days ago, like, this is very recent, just posted, Hello all, I first saw the hat man when my brother, his girlfriend, and I were driving home from getting food. We were at a stoplight when an older-style car blew past a red light. The area was well-lit, so I could see clearly into the driver's seat. I could make out a man wearing a cross between a pork pie hat and a top hat. 
What the, what, he, the, what, what is what? I'm thinking Porky Pig, and his hat. So oh, like maybe. the bowler hat. Me a pork a pork pie hat is one of several different styles of hat that have been popular in one context or another since the mid 19th century. It's this hat. So, so a fedora. Kind of similar to a fedora, but it doesn't have that dip. Okay. It's just flat, like with a little. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so a cross between a pork pie hat and a top hat. He was solid black and featureless. The scariest thing was that he was still as a statue the entire time we saw him, and he emanated evil. Everyone in the car saw him. We were rendered speechless. I would continue to see him for several months. Most often, it would be when I was about to go to sleep. I usually sleep with the lights off in my room with only ambient light from the window. I was smoking a cigarette before bed and felt someone's eyes on me. I turned towards my left and he was standing about 20 yards away from my backyard fence. He was solid black, though I could tell he was wearing a three-piece suit with a top hat. His glowing eyes were piercing. I noped the fuck out and went back inside. Yeah. Same. One night when I was trying to relax in bed, I saw a shadow gather in front of my window and it began to form the hat man. It was like a dark cloud concentrating and taking the shape of a person. It just radiated malice. Uh, I knew I was going to see him, so I went to turn the light on and he went away. Oh, that does bring me back to what I was saying. The other night was different. I had my nightlight on. Sorry, this is still one post, like this guy saw a lot. Yeah. I had my nightlight on and was reading or something or something, or something when I saw him. I think he tried to talk to me, but I can't remember what he said. He reached down to touch me, and to my surprise, it didn't hurt. It felt like when you rub your hand on carpet really fast. My skin sort of jiggled or <laughs> rippled about like poking jello, and my vision shifted. Oh. A few seconds, right. A few seconds after he was gone, for a time after that encounter happened, I would see him almost every night. No thanks. Except he was benign or even warm these times. He would sit against the wall opposite my bed and watch me impassively like he was guarding me. It's important to mention, to mention I was going through a rough time while this was happening. The last time I saw him, I was walking by the interstate. There are no sidewalks on interstates here. To my left was the desert and to my right, not more than two yards were vehicles flying by. It was almost pitch black outside. I kept seeing him watching me intently in multiple places, and I got the feeling like he wanted to tell me something or warn me. Five or so minutes passed, and he vanished. Not long after that, Highway Patrol pulled up beside me and asked if I was okay. I distinctly remember the officer saying, you're not supposed to walk on the interstate. You could get hit. I 100% believe he's the harbinger of death. Speaking of that, another Reddit post that I read mentioned in order to keep the hat man at bay is to pretty much say fuck you you don't exist i've experienced worse in the real life than i have here okay yeah so for anyone who meets the hat man there you go tell him fuck you <laughs> sounds good to me <laughs> sounds great to me just remember this when you're in sleep paralysis and panicking so another reddit user missed rjt I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that. Mr. I'll say just like that. Yes. Commented on another post within the subreddit. 
I sleep in a pitch black room with one dot of green light illuminating from my wireless earbuds sometimes. I also have negative 750 in both eyes, so everything is fuzzy. Dude, same. (laughs) (laughs) Not that bad, but very close. I saw a cardboard cutout of the profile of a person across my tiny room. My heart skipped a beat. I had a burst of cold take over my body for half a second. My dog moved, so I looked at him, and when I looked back, the darker-than-dark cutout was gone. No. It was dead silent the entire time except for waves. Quotation marks. My backyard is a cliff leading down to the Pacific Ocean. I'm jelly. Yeah. In quotation marks. Uh, The only other sound was my dog moving in my inhales. Then... My door clicks shut. (gasps) I leave my door cracked for ventilation, is what he says. My dog and I jumped out of bed, and I made him search the entire house for anything, but obviously nothing was found. The image of the cardboard cutout has been burned into my mind, and it scares me any time I picture it. How long was it watching us? What did it want? Where did it come from? Where are his shadow minions? And most importantly... Did I close my cracked door till it clicked and latched? I sleep with all windows shut because it gets cold here, so it definitely wasn't a draft. No! So this kind of... This, that is why I mentioned this one, to bring back the whole door aspect. Oh. That he walks out the door. Yeah. (laughs) So we're just gonna shift to theories real fast um there are many theories as to what the hat man and his fellow shadow creatures could be the first theory is that many people believe the hat man and shadow figures are creatures from an alternate reality whose dimensions occasionally overlap with ours so you know yeah yeah i could see that yeah so they're just just coming to pay a visit to us To scare the shit out of us. Some believe that, like poltergeist, shadow figures in the hat man are manifested thought forms. Manifested thought forms, otherwise known as egregore. Well, yeah, tulpas. (laughs) Pretty much tulpas. Egregore is where enough people believe in a thing and it manifests itself through the energy put into the thoughts. So, yes, tulpa. So, yeah, it's pretty similar to a tulpa. tulpa. In this case, the entities would have manifested themselves through negative psychic energy caused by an event in which extreme emotional or physical stress or trauma has taken place. So if you live in a really dysfunctional family where there's constant fighting, bickering, yelling at each other, then you're more likely to see something like this mm-hmm. because it's going to feed on that energy. Another theory, and probably everyone's favorite theory... Aliens. Aliens. Oh, cool. Cool. Aliens. And this is because in many abductee cases, the alien greys are apparently able to pass through walls and close doors and windows Hmm. and just disappear suddenly. So that's how they kind of say aliens, but... Yeah. I don't think I necessarily agree with that theory. (laughs) What if it is a top-secret government um, experiment in a parallel universe where they're trying to, like, break into our world to try to, I don't know. Because then you're just going back. To, then you're just going back to the internet interdimensional beings. Well, sure, but when I think interdimensional beings, I think like crazy shit. Like, 
crazy other types of beings. I'm I'm talking about like people from another. They would still dimension. be con- they would still be considered interdimensional. Yes, but I'm talking about like just people, people. But when I think about interdimensional beings, I think like you know, you think of. Like the picture I had you look for that I couldn't find to save my life. You're thinking of Sally that looks like an alien with all the tentacles. Sure, those are like light beings or like um, different types of aliens from other dimensions, shit like that. Mm, yes, but interdimensional yeah. just means any dimension. I know. Could be our could be our same. We are in the fourth dimension. Maybe the the fifth or sixth. Say hey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, from a scientific standpoint, it is also commonly speculated by non-believers that these figures are just figments of the imagination. Pareidolia is what a lot of skeptics believe. Um, this is pretty much just making something out of nothing. Seeing a face. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. like, making, um, seeing things where there is nothing or, like, um... Yep. Yep. Seeing Especially a basic s- shape in your brain trying to make sense of it. Yes, especially since a lot of people experience these shadows out of their peripheral vision, so you're not seeing everything completely. You're just seeing the vague shape. In fact, this area, like this part of your vision, is linked to part of the brain that recognizes patterns, but since, like I said, there's less information gathered from your peripheral than if you were seeing it head-on, oftentimes your brain can misinterpret it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love the science. Yeah, it's really Uh, cool. (laughs) The same thing happens in low light conditions when you are seeing something, like, staring at something straight. If a shadow cast by a piece of furniture will suspiciously look like a person crouching in the corner. Ugh, don't say that. I hate that. pareidolia. Yeah. Another scientific explanation is that of (sighs) hypnogogia, which is commonly known as waking sleep. Hmm. So, while you're in the hypnagogic state, a person will often be midway between sleep and wakefulness. Hmm. Because of this, their consciousness is aware of their surroundings, but their subconscious may still be sending images to their brain because of their dreamlike state. Okay, so similar to um, sleep paralysis. Very similar to sleep paralysis. And in this state, a person may see lights and shadows moving about them, sometimes even faces. Some even have the impending feeling of dread and doom Mm -hmm. it's just like a a side effect of what happens even certain orders such as schizophrenia and bipolar disorder have been known to produce shadowy figures at the edge of one's peripheral vision and last but not least electromagnetic fields under the right circumstances can interfere with the functions of the temporal lobe causing a person to hear and see things in fact there have been Studies like in laboratories, which have been able to duplicate many paranormal experiences, but these are, you can pretty much say they're disproven because they're under laboratory conditions. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's now a scientific reasoning why these things are happening to you. Yay, electromagnetic fields. In doing my research, I did find a documentary on um, Amazon Prime that was released back in September of 2019 titled The Hat Man Documented Cases of Pure Evil. So right now in November of 2020, you can purchase the DVD if you'd like for $25.99. Oh, dang. Or if you have Prime, you can rent it for $4.99 and buy the digital copy copy for $14.99. There seem to be a lot of mixed reviews about it, and that's honestly one of the reasons I didn't use it in my sources. Mm-hmm. But the other reason is that they compared the Hat Man to Slender Man. Oh, yeah. No. 
No, they are two completely separate beings. Slender Man, one, we all know for a fact is completely fictional. We can trace that back to what was it, 4chan? Uh, yeah, 4chan and uh, Creepypasta. Yeah, and the Hat Man has been literally seen all over the world for centuries. No, it's not Slender Man. Another documentary, which I was super interested to look into, but ultimately didn't because it was too broad for the story, is a documentary called The Nightmare. It discusses the causes of sleep paralysis through interviews that are then reenacted. Ooh, no thanks. <laughs> that, no, that I might have to watch. That sounds scary. It's right up my alley. There are also multiple books written on this topic. Heidi Hollis wrote at least two of them. One is actually titled The Hat Man. And shadow people are also seen in such novels, such as the 2007 John Dies at the End. Uh-huh. Tells you how it ends, but you know. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, it's not a no, spoiler. Oh, not what? a spoiler at all. And also the 2013 horror film Shadow People and in the online game Deep Sleep. So Shadow People, actually, I'm sure there's a whole lot more, but for some reason it wasn't showing up under current mm-hmm. like pop culture stuff. So that is Shadow People and I don't know. I feel like there needs to be more, but there's not because this isn't something that you can, like. There's science. I know, there's like most scientific of what you, ways. Most of what you hear about, like shadow people, it, it's all short experiences of oh yeah, I saw this, or oh yeah, somebody that I know saw this, and this mm-hmm. happened. But I mean, it's really hard to have proven. Or, like, really long stories for a lot of people to find, because nobody really talks about it that much. Yeah, and that's actually one of the, um, something else that I saw in one of my sources, that most people see shadow figures and the hat men as children, but they don't tell anyone about it because they're too afraid, and they're too afraid of someone laughing at them and saying oh you're stupid that didn't happen right so they tend to repress it until they're an adult and someone else says something yeah and then you're like oh yeah that happened to me as oh yeah that happened to me it's whatever (laughs) yeah so what is your story i don't think i yeah what is your story my story is baba yaga (gasps) i forgot you were doing this yes um my sources are a lot. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Wikipedia, Britannica.com, Russiapedia.rt.com, Vice.com, uh, Myths.e2bn.org, uh, Grunge.com, NewWorldEncyclopedia.org, WCUQuad.com, PublishersWeekly.com, and a series of videos on TikTok about witches and Baba Yaga by the Vlasta, who is a witch from Mordovia who now lives in the U.S. She makes a lot of really cool videos about her heritage and practices and traditions of her tribe, and it's really fascinating and educational. I highly recommend her TikTok. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Hold on. Wait, what was her username? The Vlasta, so it's the, the, 
last A. Those were all my sources. Um, oh, good. I'll start with the origins for the name of Baba Yaga, which aren't super clear. The Baba part, I mean, is pretty much just a Slavic word for um, an older woman or grandmother, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. the Yaga part is a little harder to figure out. Scholars best guess seem to be that it comes from various Slavic words meaning abuse, snake, or wicked. Mm-hmm. So the mother snake. <laughs> well, <laughs> those two opposite words pretty much explain the lore surrounding Baba Yaga. She has a sort of complex and often contradictory personality in okay. the stories told about her, not just between different stories by different authors. Um but she can be seen as both a villain and a savior in the same story. Okay. It's very interesting. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah, as a savior or like a helper, she or heroes and stories come to her as she's seen as a wise old woman, a forest mm-hmm. spirit, and she's even compared to Mother Nature. So she's even compared to Mother Nature, and those stories mainly show the importance of nature and spirituality, Whereas, as a villain, she said to eat children or anyone who crosses her path, which was Mm -hmm. obviously used by parents to keep their kids from wandering too far from home or to respect their elders. Yep. And that's what I know about the Baba Yaga is the eating children part. Another way you could read some of these stories is that as a representation of Mother Nature, she's also a representation of death because nature brings life, but everything in nature dies and can, or can lead to death or destruction of some sort. So a lot of her stories are also linked to that idea. Mm-hmm. As for the way she looks... Uh, Crazy old lady. <laughs> she's usually described as having a really long nose, sometimes said to stretch to the ceiling when she sleeps, and iron teeth that can chew through flesh and bone, a stare that can petrify you, and although she's known to eat a lot... Skin and bones. She's also said to be really I, tall. <laughs> and, and I, so the, she, the, the appearance is definitely villain. Yes. Um, the, I don't understand. I, I guess I'll just have to wait for the rest of the information. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she is not like other witches that fly on brooms. She flies mm-hmm. a mortar and steals with a huge pestle. Nice. Yeah, she also uses... She does use a birch broomstick to brush any tracks away so no one can find her home. Mm-hmm. That's smart. In some stories, she has a bone leg signifying her connection to the world of the dead. Like an actual bone leg? Yeah. Uh I didn't find a lot of examples of this one. It was just in one of, one or two of my sources. One, yeah. Speaking of her home, though, it's yes. very interesting, and you'll definitely have heard something a little bit similar before. She lives in a hut, which is perched on giant chicken legs. <gasps> Howl's Moving Castle? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes! And obviously it's fully capable of walking around and Mm -hmm. she often asks the house to turn around when she needs to because in some stories this comes in handy because uh, the house won't turn to reveal its door until you say, turn your back to the forest, your front to me. Uh, turn your back to the forest, your front to me. Yeah, that's not even the strangest part of the house, though. The door's keyhole is said to be 
full of razor-sharp teeth, and the <laughs> fence around the hut is made of human bones, topped with lamps made of Baba Yaga's victims' skulls. Sounds metal. But there's always one spot left empty as a threat to anyone who comes across her. So wait, does she just does she just keep like all the the skulls that she doesn't use and like polishes them for like the next time that she has to replace one out? I don't know. <laughs> like like when your light bulbs burn out. So the most popular story is Vasilisa the Beautiful, which will sound familiar again. The story is about obviously a girl named Vasilisa whose mother passed away. Her father remarries a horrible woman with two daughters. The only thing that keeps Velissa from giving up is a magical doll that her mother gifted her while on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. When Vasilisa's father goes away for a trip, the new stepmother sells their house and moves her and the two girls to a cottage in the woods, treating them like servants. Oh, three girls. My bad. So, I was gonna say Cinderella, but no. It's... Similar to Cinderella, only in that she is not a great stepmother, and there are two Mm. stepsisters. Yes. So, she treats them like servants, but the doll helps her complete her tasks. But one night, the stepmother, wanting to be rid of Vasilisa, as she was so beautiful that no men would look at her own daughters, she instructs Vasilisa and her daughters to complete some needlework, leaving them only a single candle for light. One of the stepdaughters is a butthole, and intentionally extinguishes the candle, and they send her out to get a light from the only nearby resident, Baba Yaga. Mm. feel like this doesn't end well for the stepsisters. It's uh, very interesting. I'll just say that. Okay. She makes her way to Baba Yaga's hut and is made to complete several tasks and tests in order to get the light. The tests were designed to be impossible, with one forcing her to sort all of the wheat from the crone storehouse and pick the bad grains out. In some, this is her picking all of the rice out of the wheat, which is even harder. But her doll basically tells her to get some rest and that they'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. And when she wakes in the morning, she looks out the window and she sees a rider dressed in all white on a white horse galloping around the hut. The rider then jumps a wall and vanishes. Later, she sees a rider in red on a blood-red horse who does the same. And then a while later, she sees a rider in black on a black horse who does the same again. What are these? The four horsemen of the apocalypse? There's only three. I know, we're just missing one. (laughs) She's the fourth horse. When Baba Yaga sees that she was able to complete her task, she orders her to leave, giving her a... One of her skull lights (laughs) for light. But before she goes, she asks Baba Yaga who the riders were, and Baba Yaga reveals that the riders were the day, the sun, and the night, respectively, all of whom, she says, serve her. Mm. Upon returning to her stepmother and sisters, stepsisters, with the glowing skull, all three women immediately catch fire and are reduced to ash. See, I knew it didn't turn out well for them. Vasilisa survives and goes on to marry the Tsar. <laughs> yeah, this is a perfect representation of, like, how contradictory she is because she helps the girl, but only yeah. after putting her through tasks she thinks she won't be able to finish. She's true to her word and gives her the light, but that light kills her stepmother and stepsisters, which 
frees her for them. But basically, she helps her, but in the worst way possible. Yeah. Uh, it's like the grim fairy tales. Yeah. and this Very Weiss, common. <laughs> yeah, this Vice article I read put it perfectly. They said, unlike their traditional godmother figure, Baba Yaga is outside the bounds of morality, and her aid often comes in menacing forms. Baba Yaga is that drunk aunt at the Christmas party. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'll get it done, but you're going to hate it. <laughs> I saw one source that said there was another version, um, but I found that exact version with completely different characters. So I think that that source just got it wrong. Um, in this similar version, only titled Baba Yaga and the Peasant Children, these peasant children who are also sent away by their stepmother to Baba Yaga just to be totally rid of them, in the story, they manage to get free with the help of animals, plants, mm-hmm. and objects that Baba Yaga neglects. There's a black cat that helps them plan the escape because they fed him when Baba Yaga wouldn't. A gate closed Baba Yaga off from them because she never tends to it. And the trees in the forest try to stand in her way because she neglects them as well. Eventually, she gives up and the children are able to return home and their father throws out the evil stepmother. So this is one that where it's obviously more about how she's connected with nature. And I think it's meant to show like that neglecting nature and the things we should care about can come back to bite us in the ass, basically. Yeah. So, but there, <laughs> there's so many stories. I think I only have two or three more, but then I have the coolest part of all of this, I think. In this one, a princess named Katarina befriends Baba Yaga's daughter, who she finds in Baba Yaga's hut after fleeing incestuous advances by her brother. Hmm. Yeah. The two eventually escape the hut um, (laughs) after Baba Yaga repeatedly tries to throw Katarina in her oven. As they run, they they toss behind them a comb a brush, and a hand towel in an attempt to slow her down, which sounds weird, but the comb transforms into a mountain range, the brush into a dense forest, and then the towel into a vast lake. So then, was the Baba Yaga's daughter also magic? I don't know. And that's how that happened, maybe? I don't know. And I I tried to find more about this one, because I found it so interesting, because the other ones were about like, respecting your elders or, um, respecting nature. But this one, I guess it was, um, I saw a comment about, like, creating their own world to, um, escape from something bad or about, um, changing the world to something, and I, (laughs) (laughs) but I lost it, so it's just a fun story. Sounds like just a fun story. In some stories, Baba Yaga isn't alone, and she isn't the only Baba Yaga. Oh. Yeah, sometimes... multiple. Yes, sometimes she has sisters exactly like her. In The Maiden Tsar, which was collected in the 19th century, a merchant's son named Ivan falls in love with the Maiden Tsar only for the two to be separated by the boy's tutor and stepmother. Mm-hmm. People really don't like their stepmothers. So Ivan goes to seek his beloved in the thrice-tenth kingdom beyond the thrice-nine lands. Lovely. No one has 
really any idea where the thrice tenth kingdom is, but in Slavic folklore, it's, it seems to always be where like the hero, hero or heroine of the story has to go find something, whether it's like treasure or love or medicine or magic. It's a long lost kingdom. Kingdom. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe? So he heads to the chicken legged hut of Baba Yaga. He asks her if she knows where the thrice tenth kingdom is. But she didn't, so she told him to go to her second sister. She might know. Ivan walks for a while before coming across the next one, asks her the same question, and she also doesn't know the answer, and directs him to the third sister, but says that if she gets angry with him and, quote, wants to devour you, take the three horns from her and ask her permission to blow them. Blow the first softly, the second one louder, and the third still louder, so Ivan thanks her and continues on his journey. Kind of weird shit she into. <laughs> well, I was thinking that's kind of weird too, but whatever. Eventually he makes his way to the third sister's hut and she immediately tries to eat him. He asks her for the horns and she obliges and does exactly what the second sister said. This causes birds to swarm the hut and one of them is a fire bird that tells him to hop on its back or Baba Yaga will eat him, and he just barely escapes. And then he has to find the maiden Sar's love hidden in an egg, but I, I'm not sure what the point of this story was supposed to be, but in some of these Finding tales, that damn egg. <laughs> finding that damn egg. <laughs> but um, it was just one of the examples I could find where it wasn't just one. And mm. there are even some tales where Baba Yaga will die only to rise again in another form or for another to take her place. Ah, uh, Baba Yaga the Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there are some stories that are just bizarre, though, and involve aspects that aren't seen in other tales involving Baba Yaga. Like, I found this one that was called Baba Yaga and the Brave Youth. It's the Handsome Knight. No, <laughs> it's just about this kid who lives with a cat and a sparrow who go into the woods to cut wood for a fire, warning the kid that if Baba Yaga comes to count the spoons, to hide and not say anything. To count the spoons. Yes. Okay. She comes to the house three times to count the spoons, and each time he's unable to keep his mouth shut when he sees her touching his spoon. The first two times, the cat and the sparrow chase her off, but the third time, she's able to capture him and take him to her hut to eat him. Once at her hut, she tells her three daughters, in turn, to cook the boy, but he's able to trick each one of them by convincing them he doesn't know how to lie in a pan and asks them <laughs> to show him. And so he kills them. And then he finally... Is this how you do it? Right. <laughs> and then he finally, he finally pulls the same trick on Bobby Yaga, leading to her death, and he just runs home. And... Sounds very similar to the original Hansel and... Or not... Well, yeah. yeah. The original Hansel and Gretel story. Yeah, it does. And I would say this means to, uh... I don't know. I have no idea what the story means. Part of, parts of it kind of remind me of, um, like, fairies. Yeah. Like, the counting the spoons thing. Oh, yeah, like the counting rice. Right, but... Or grain, or... Right, but I don't... I would say it means, like, you should listen to the people taking care of you, but it's literally oh, a sure. cat and a sparrow, so... Oh, well. <laughs> well. 
definitely listen to your cat. They know what's best. At least they want you to think they know what's best. Speaking of odd stories, um, yes. there's this other one literally titled The Magic Swan Geese. The magic swan geese, swan geese. where okay. a couple leave their daughter in charge of their younger brother while they're away, and she loses track of her brother, and he's carried away by magic swan geese, and then she chases after them and comes upon an oven that offers to tell her where they're going if she eats its rye buns, but she's like, I don't even like wheat bread, bye, <laughs> and <laughs> if she eats its buns, yeah. <laughs> Um, she refuses similar offers from an apple tree and a river of milk. And she, yeah, and she eventually comes across the hut with chicken feet in which she found Baba Yaga with her brother. She sent her to spin flax and then left. And right after a mouse comes out and says, it'll tell her what she needs to know if she gives it porridge. And she's like, sure. And it told her that Baba Yaga was heating the bathhouse to steam in her brother, and then she would cook and eat them. So the mouse took over her spinning, and the girl and her brother ran. Baba Yaga... That was a nice mouse. Right. Mouse. <laughs> yeah, but Baba Yaga chases after them, like, sent the swan geese after them, and she begged the river for aid, and it insisted she drink some of it first, and it she did, and it sheltered her. When she ran on, the swans followed again, but the same thing happened with the apple tree and then the oven, and then she finally returned home. And I'm wondering if this is about accepting help mm-hmm. in return for a favor mm-hmm. or learning to help others to help yourself. I think it's probably along the lines of helping others to help yourself. Yeah. That just makes more sense. But yeah, that was my, that was my last story, and I, <laughs> I had to add it because it was so had so many interesting elements. Magical swan geese. Swan geese. Um, so those are the mo- some of the most popular stories. And like I said, you can see that she often helps people, but she also just seems to want, pe- want to eat people sometimes. But yeah. the idea of, like, the evil witch um, herself, like, where it came from, Researchers seem to think that this legend of Baba Yaga is a sort of, like, collective image of pagan female healers who were villainized when Eastern European pagans were converted to Christianity, Mm. which I think makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. But it's also possible that she could have been a deity of some sort. How so? Well, and even one that determined people's faith, because... The first clear reference to Baba Yaga occurs in 1755 in Mikhail V. Lomonosov's Russian Grammar. In it, Baba Yaga is mentioned twice among other figures largely largely from, like, Slavic tradition. The second mm-hmm. of the two mentions is, like, on a list of Slavic gods and, uh, and beings and their, like, equivalent gods in Roman mythology. Okay. So, like, the Slavic god... Peron, I think that's how you say it, um, would be equated with the Roman god Jupiter. But Baba Yaga was in this, like, third section without an equivalent, so even then she was already unique. She is her own self. She doesn't need a duplicate. But the idea that she was on a list with other deities suggests that she herself could have been one. So, I think that's cool. Yeah. It's thought that tales about possible abductions by her might have been reminders that death can happen at any moment and according to some pagan beliefs that that fate is just unavoidable 
And like I said, converting pagans probably caused a lot of discrepancy among tales and um, as witches and healers went from like wise to like outcasts and devil worshippers and stuff. So the legend mm-hmm. of Baba Yaga probably changed a lot too. As for the hut with the chicken legs, I think this is so cool. It's pretty clear where these huts came from. Um, there are two or three different types of structures that are likely the inspiration for this chicken-legged hut. They all look uh-huh. similar, but have different uses based on like the, the family or regional tradition. Basically, they all look similar, these three types, but um, they're these like wooden like log cabin looking things that stand on tree trunks with large roots. Oh. So they, you could say they look similar to chicken legs. And the only yeah. access into the hut is a trap door. So that could explain why if you're walking around it, you would never see You would door. never see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you a picture of these in a minute. Okay. One use for huts like these was to preserve supplies against animals during long periods of absence. Or um, a similar but smaller type of hut was used by Siberian pagans to hold figurines of their gods. There's apparently a figure of a, um, or a picture of a bone-carved doll in rags in a small cabin on top of a tree tree stump that fits the description of Baba Yaga, who, like, barely fits in her cabin with legs in one corner, head in another, and her nose grown to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Which also kind of lends to the idea that she was a deity. Yeah. I think the most interesting one was that the Finno-Ugric tradition which later became Slavic tradition, was to bury people's ashes or to store people's ashes in these sort of burial houses, which were supported on those tree stumps that were smoked with herbs to prevent animals and insects from getting up into the little... The, the house. Yes. Building. Little yes. burial house uh, from get, to prevent them from getting the ashes, basically. Yeah. Also, in that TikTok um, that I mentioned, the Vlasta, who is from Mordovia, she says there are these two words that sound very similar in Russian. There's korini, and, which means chicken, and korni, which means smoked. Smoked chicken. Cool. Oh, saying the smoked tree stumps. Oh. So those words sound very similar, so they definitely could have been, like, mixed up. They, yeah. Um, so that if... Baba Yaga was some sort of deity having to do with death in any form. I think it's very likely that, um, like, the idea that she resided in one of these sort of burial houses, I don't think it's that far-fetched. Oh, no. Definitely not. Not to mention that those two words sound similar, with tree trunks resembling chicken legs. Definitely, definitely would have started. Yes, for sure. Um, Which brings us to the whole cooking children aspect of the tales. I couldn't find anything to confirm or deny this, but... That TikToker, the Vlasa, seems to do her research, and there were quite a few other stories backing her up with this. Not to mention mm-hmm. that she has access to information that I don't, because it's a part of her culture, and I'm more inclined to believe pe- believe someone about their own culture and practices, even if it's not something on the first page of Google. Yeah. First off, she found that there apparently used to be a closed Eastern European practice where small children were wrapped in dough with herbs and placed in an oven or yeah. a Russian pechka, which um, when this. you Google it, it's like a mix between yes. the type of wood burning yes. stove we have in old houses and, but also look a little similar to a pizza oven yes. in some cases, yes. but they're very large, like the length of a room. So the children yes, 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 yes. weren't I saw cooked. This. I saw this one. Yes. yes. I, I sent it yes. to you, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, you did. 
the children weren't cooked. It's definitely important to mention the oven wasn't even on when the children were placed inside. This only happened as like a last resort when a baby was born premature or when a child had a cold or flu or a different sort of pulmonary illness. The dough was meant to protect the child's skin and the herbs released a healing healing aromas in the warm air of the oven, which was it was basically an incubator. Mm-hmm. And the whole family was apparent, apparently present for this, including several healers who monitored the situation. And what I really loved about this video in the comments is how universal putting a baby in the oven seemed to be. Oh, really? I didn't yes. look at the comments. Um, people commented saying that they had heard of similar situations in their own families, not just in Eastern Europe, but all over. One TikTok user, Nellie Minel, said their mother was put in an oven after being born blue and not crying until a doctor arrived in rural Texas in 1948. Another user with a fantastic name of <laughs> Cooch Contusion <laughs> yes. said that they used to do something similar in Sweden and their great-grandmother was premature and they did something similar even using olive oil. And user... Mary R. Tyler, Taylor, 10, said that their grandfather was born only three pounds in rural Kentucky in the 30s, and they put him in a drawer and set him near the fire, and he turned out just fine. Mm -hmm. I found a lot more. Some in, like, eastern Kentucky, others in Toronto, and I just, I just love that. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, as long as it's not turned on to, like, cooking temperature, but, like, if you preheat the oven to, what is the lowest it can go? Like, 190? I don't know, but in a lot of cases, some of them weren't even on. Um, some of them, it was just the um, their the child's own body heat that kept them warm. Um, mm-hmm. In other cases, they just put warm coals underneath, like... Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not, like, on-on to, like, actually... Right. It's, not, it's not embroiling. Cook the it's child. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, if it's heated and cooled a little bit, then it's an incubator. Yeah. Because incubators get up to, like, 99 degrees, I think. Yes. I don't think it's that bad. But I mm-hmm. wouldn't... Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't stick your child in the oven. That's, and definitely don't turn it on. You go to jail for that. No. Um, no. But, so the reason I want to do the story of Baba Yaga is because... When I was a kid, uh, my favorite children's book was Babushka Baba Yaga by Mm -hmm. um, Patricia Polacco. And in the book, she's just an elderly witch who sees all these happy grandmothers in the village care for their grandchildren. And she just wants a grandchild of her own. So she she takes an outfit off of somebody's clothesline and disguises herself as a village grandmother and searches for a child to love. (laughs) Aww. And then she finally finds Victor, whose mother needs someone to watch him while he works. And she's happy um, until one day she overhears the other grandmothers speaking hatefully about the legendary Baba Yaga. And she's afraid that Victor's going to find out who she is. So she returns to the, her home in the woods before he finds out. Aww. And... But she, it, it ends good. It's all good. She ends up saving him from a pack of wolves and the other babushkas praise and accept her. Um, there are also some fairy, there are also fairies involved somehow. I don't really remember it, but it was a really cute book. So, and So I've loved it. I've loved everything about Baba Yaga ever since. That sounds like a cute book. So. Not gonna lie, when I heard you say she stole clothes off the line, I was like, is she gonna dress up a piece of bread? <laughs> Pretend it's a child. Yes. Well, no, because, like, 
um, I don't know where I read this, but like some people would take a piece of bread and dress it up as a child and by some some magic, I'm sure it's fictional, but by some magic, they have a baby. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What is that? I can't. I don't know. I really don't I'm gonna, know. We're going to have to look something. that up. We'll have to look that up. But yes. But yeah, that was my story. Um, I found that TikTok and because I had been thinking about it for a while and then I found that TikTok and I was like, this is so interesting, like where all of these different legends probably came from about witches and Baba Yaga and all of that stuff. So I was like, I got to do it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I really, really, really enjoyed that because that was fantastic and the um I know about Baba Yaga because Heather when I was I don't know 10 or 11 or something she wrote a short story about Baba Yaga and the Baba Yaga was the bad guy in it but mm. I, I love the 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 fairy tale behind it yes so I'm so happy you covered that <laughs> and I also now need to start upping my game on my stories yeah, I like your story. <laughs> Yours was so much better. I just okay. I just had a lot of information, and yours was really hard to find information on. Mine was. That's why it's like two and one. <laughs> was about to be three and one if I didn't find enough on the hat man. It was just gonna be sleep paralysis in general. Hey, that's a good one. Hey. That can be scary. It is. It is. N- oof! All the movies they make. Heck yeah. Okay, thank you so much, guys, for listening to us. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We're on there. Yep, yep, yep. You can also send us an email to MythsAndMisfortunes at gmail.com. We have gotten one email from a very amazing <laughs> yeah. woman yeah. who we are going to... Um, share her stories with her permission yes she did give us her permission at some point yes she did give us her permission so we are going to share those at some point we just want to gather some some more so please email us i do have some others that um we can add that works um also our website please check us out myths and misfortunes Dot com. Mm-hmm. Our theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Yes, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I don't know why I'm talking like this. You didn't do your theatrical voice this time. We implore you, rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe. I think I'm going to go okay. into like full Trelawney one day. Yes, it's going to get there. Do. It, it will. You'll you'll be great. Look into the future. Alrighty. No, okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. Yes, thank you. Goodbye. Bye.